Peace. This is the Fire This Time Podcast. I'm my kid Jake. My name is Sonny Drake. And this is the Fire This Time Podcast. We back at you again, y'all. Once again. And as usual, we're gonna keep it hot. We're gonna keep it on fire. We're gonna keep it started. So as usual, I keep let them know what we're gonna get into today. Yeah, uh, so today we got a number of good topics. We're gonna get into uh the reception to the new color purple movie we're going to talk about uh a group of african nations now charging genocide in international uh justice court uh the international court of justice i think the icj and we're also going to talk about uh the recent news of uh 215 bodies found behind a mississippi jail and mm. you know talk about some of the racial politics and history behind that those type of practices in the south and what that means you know for us but to start things off Aki uh, we gotta talk about uh, the meteor strike yeah hmm. the lightning strike that struck the culture Word. to kick things off here in 2024 Word. and uh, I knew it once I seen it on the timeline within 30 seconds of watching the interview I was like oh this is ether but I'm talking about Cat Williams on the Shannon Sharp uh, Club Shay Shay podcast. Yes, uh, I knew very early on once I clicked on that video. I, I I seen it. I seen it when it went up, damn near. But I was, once I seen where he what Cat Williams was on, I was like, oh, this is about to set things on fire. I knew he was talking some shit when I woke up and I looked and I seen everybody just straight up. You know what I'm saying? That's all I was seeing was people posting about that. Yeah, five yeah. days now. At five days, is at thirty-five million views. Mm. Now, his most recent, his most popular video before that was eight months, nine months old at eight million views. Mm. You know, but this one in five days has thirty-five million. You know, and uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it, you can think about how much it's been viewed elsewhere, but I mean, give, give for those that might have not seen it, Aki. I mean, mm-hmm. what you. What was Cat on in this interview? Cat uh, was on exposing the decadent veil. You know what I'm saying? Uh, with, the, with Antonio Moore and them called the decadent veil. He was out there uh, exposing gatekeepers, those who keep the gate. Uh, you know, I think it's it, he, was, he was speaking on things that I think some of us already knew. But when you're getting it from somebody that's actually in that industry and on that level, you know what I'm saying? He called out everybody. He called out everybody. Ricky Smiley, Cedric the Entertainer, you know what I'm saying? And of course, you know, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Uh... It was a hell of an interview, people. And I take it y'all done probably seen it and ran across y'all clips already. So y'all done probably already caught mad, mad little, you know what I'm saying? He, call, he called out T.D. Jason Diddy, too. Yeah, called them out, too. He called out a lot of people. I'm just going over the most well-known ones. I mean, he, he called out the, you know, the homosexual, like, mm-hmm. cult-type rituals that the elite engage in. The blackballing of people, of truth tellers and real people in the industry. And, yeah, uh, he exposed a lot. Yeah. Uh, he put a lot of people on Front Street. All the responses to him by people he talked about have been asked. 
I haven't seen a single good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was just hard to, I mean, I think when you stand, I think people know truth when they hear it. Right. You know, it's a certain uh, chip built in the Negro uh, biology to let us know that nigga speaking facts right there. You know, and uh, I think uh, we, we sort of caught a little bit of that. You know, but uh, I think it looked, it, 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 it gave us an exposure to cutthroatness. That's in that shit, you know what I'm saying? In the industry, um, even in comedy, you know, uh, the backbiting. Uh, you know, he definitely spoke about stealing jokes, and I said that sort of. I mean, make me think about MCing, because you know, in MCing, the worst thing you can do is bite a nigga rhymes. You get smacked for biting somebody rhymes. I would take it in the same thing in comedy. Get, get into some shit for stealing somebody jokes but uh as you said the response has been asinine um and there's people that's already had backed him up on things before it you know they've you just been sometimes seeing clips of replays of when they said it and uh you know what I'm saying Cap was just confirming it we ain't seen nobody come out and say he, he he lied about what he said about them. Yeah, yeah. And this ain't the first time Cat did that now. Right. Cat did it before. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he really called out names, though. And I think he's been sitting on that for a while. I think he's been sitting on that for a while because the way it came out, like, he came there strictly on that business. You know, and, uh, you know, of course, for those who, you know, are aware got that awakening, that awareness, you know what I'm saying, we sort of already know how that system move and operate or got some form of idea, you know what I'm saying, we've already sort of been informed, but you know what I'm saying, for the masses, the masses are not, and when they are, they're informed on some spookism type shit, you know, this, this show them how that work on a practical level, every day. I think a lot of people saw Cat as being authentic. Yeah. You know, like, was he mad? Yeah. Was he frustrated with how he was treated? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the regular person feels that in their everyday life, living their regular lives. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and I think the fact that he was able to show how he felt raw and, and honestly, uh, I mean, it was a rare thing to kind of witness, in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. especially on that type of stage. And... I mean, I think there were probably more famous people than him that sat in that same seat as him mm-hmm. that didn't offer anywhere near as close of a compelling, you know, conversation. Uh, maybe because they didn't have as much, you know, to say or, inter- you know, in it. But, yeah, it, it was it was a thing to behold. But, you know, this brings me to a point that we talked about in the car on the way over here, Aki. You know, uh you know, on one hand, on the positive note, I think that, you know, the cultures, our, our people's reaction to this mm-hmm. shows a uh, an urge to uh, have the, you know, uh, the media machine, the elite, you know, and their devious machinations, you know, uh, presented to the public, exposed and, and toppled. Yeah. You know, and it seems like that was what, you know, at least partially what, 
No, in a, in a large way, that was what Cat was on. Yeah. You know, he said there's guy side and there's the other side. We don't give a yeah. damn about the other side. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He he's putting a line in the sand as far as you know. There's some evil people in this world, mm-hmm. and I think black people like I think the support that you see from Cat from us is our affirmation of that goal. Yeah. On one hand, I think you know that that plays out in a, in, uh, in a strong way. Mm. Now, on the other hand, there is you know maybe just people being drawn toward the spectacle of it. Mm. What do you think about that, Aki? I mean, yeah, I mean, we we didn't take we take truth and exposing lies as entertainment to some extent. Now, um, like nigga, we 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 help. Promote the Maury show. You know what I'm saying? The uh the um the Jerry Springers and the shit like that. Truths. Nasty truths. You know what I'm saying? But we look at it for entertainment. Um, I think sometimes, you know, we we in that like I said, we in that contradiction with ourselves because we sort of chase that. Like they use the money, the fame, the success to get us, you know what I'm saying, build that attraction. And we move after that. But we also like seeing it when it's trotting down. Because we sort of know it's on that bullshit. You know, I mean, um, like with, you know, Cat, you know, comedians got a certain freedom that sometimes everyday regular people don't feel they have and they can speak truths in a way that the, the average regular people can't they can, sometimes can get the truth across better than a damn scholar you know what I'm saying in words and so you know that's a that. and first of all being a comic that's a rarity most of the people that are truth tellers always into some shit uh, Dave Chappelle is always into some shit Somebody always got something now to say about what he do, and, uh, comedic-wise. Patrice O'Neill was that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, hell, even Richard Pryor at one point in time was that way. So it's like, you know, they don't like, uh, make me think of Red Fox. He was that way. But some truths can be accepted and swallowed in a certain way, you know? Cat Williams was a person, is, a, is a person that's able to do that, you know? Um... It's a lot of things that he set up to put him in a position to do that. You know what I'm saying? But he's in a position to do that. Um, concerning these culprits and their crimes against their own and their self and their counter- counterparts and their craft. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, there's been rumors of all of this stuff for a long time. We just recently got over here and, you know, how Steve Harvey felt about Bernie Mac. Really. You know? And um, how he sort of threw hating this game on that. We heard that before Cat Williams. Cat Williams just emphasized it, you know. Um, and all of these things that he spoke about, he was sort of directly involved in, you know. So um, shout out to Cat Williams. Shout out to Shannon Sharp. You know, Shannon Sharp, man, you know, since he left uh, Skip Bayless, you know, his shit been soaring. He getting these awards and stuff now. They like, shoot, he the best. Uh, he get pretty much got the best commentary, sports commentary shows. And, and you know, he's doing all. He's doing a lot of these things. He got the joint going on with Stephen A. Smith now. 
You know, he also got another show with I think uh what was that, Shepard? Shepard? He got another show with a with a younger athlete that he does. I think it's like a nightcap or something like that. Yeah, he got Ocho Cinco and Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, something like yeah, that. I think he, he interchanged when he does the nightcap shit with them. So, you know what I'm saying? He's doing that now. You know, I'm, I'm glad to see the brother prosper, you know. And uh, on his show, Club Shay Shay, you know, he seems to always have, you know, black folk on there. Um, and it, it ain't just athletes. You know, like he had Cat Williams on there. He had Steve Harvey on there. He had Cedric the Entertainer on there. He had rappers on there. You know, um, so politicians, you know, so. He's likely going to have, I mean, he said his dream interviews are LeBron and Obama. And I think maybe he mentioned some other people, mm-hmm. but they were near the top. Yeah. So I think it's definitely possible he gets Obama in an election year. I'll just throw that out there. Early 2024 prediction. Yeah. That, hey, hey, that'd be a nice shout out right there if he did that for my man. But I, I'm glad to see the brother prosper. You know what I'm saying? And uh, shout outs to Cat Williams, too. You know what I'm saying? Always, you always gotta love a truth teller, you know. Um, you know, tell that brother to be safe. <laughs> so, oh, go I was just gonna say, tell him to be safe, but you know, he said he on the right side. I mean, you standing on the right side of things, you ain't really got no reason to have no fear. So, you know, shout out to that brother on that. Next up on the docket, uh, we are gonna talk about the new color purple movie. Now, I haven't seen it, but Akita G has seen it. Terrible. So, <laughs> that, that, and let's move on. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I watched a lot of reviews on it. Uh, I wasn't going to spend the money to go see it myself. Even though uh, I would like to watch it in the future. Mm-hmm. I would like, also like to rewatch the original, maybe yeah. beforehand yeah. Uh, at some point. And more so, I want to watch these. You know, I do have an even for film. I don't in art. I don't agree with. I have an appreciation for good art. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But this will be more of a study of the forces aligned against us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, in the media, in the cultural sphere, you know, because you know, a lot of these things, a lot of these movies, a lot of these institutions, a lot of these conferences, a lot of these books, and so on and so forth, contain what we call anti-black misandry to the you bush. know this inherent hatred you know stereotypical depiction characterization of black men in american society and, and it, just, it trickles through and runs through the veins of almost every part of american society mm-hmm. so uh how what, what's your general ideas about the film Aki? and then also how do you see it uh, aligning or you know not aligning to you know its originals the the fault of the original which was this anti-black misandric depiction of black men I can start there it did the same damn thing it did the same thing it was tons of tons of anti-black misandry through the movie um and I'll go through that we will hear that as I you know explain uh, explain what I saw. Um, I seen the first movie. I am a child of the first movie. I seen that movie probably at least a hundred times. Even when I didn't want to see it. In my sleep, I saw it. 
my, my girl was asking me, did black people really watch that movie like that? I was like, yes. Yes. I, I was like, yes. yes. We watched that movie like that. Uh, one, it had great actors in it. That's the first thing. It was great actors in that movie. Uh, they, they played that role solid. They, them, them were seasoned, you know, actors from the culture. You know what I'm saying? Um... But as I got older, I seen the Black Misandry in there. The new one, it's the same Misandry, but it's not as good as the first one. So, um, in this one, it does give some bigger or better context. There were things in this one that they didn't show in the first one. You know? Um, so, story plot. This is basically the same story plot. Um, two young ladies playing out in the field. Younger girls, this is Celia and her sister at a young age. Um, if anybody remember the first one, daddy came by. The stepfather came by and looked at her and told them the supper was ready. Celia started smiling. Daddy said, that's the ugliest smile I've ever seen in my life. Some harsh shit. You know, that's what the stepdaddy tells her. You know, of course, Celia gives birth to children. He takes the children directly from her. Now, Fantasia played Celia. There was another heavy sister that played um, Oprah Winfrey's role. Um, you had uh, Louis Gossip Jr. He played Mr. Father, not Mr. Um... And the brothers that they had play Mister, they didn't do as good as the job. It's definitely more believable in the in the first one. Like the main one that didn't stand out to me, and you probably who was your who was the funniest person in the movie? If you remember that movie, do you remember Mister's Daddy? Yeah, I do. Mister's Daddy. Every time he came on the scene, that was played by a brother. Uh, his last name is Caesar. That brother played in a, a, a soldier story. It was a movie came out in the 80s with Denzel Washington and them, about them in the army. He played Uncle Tom, self-hating black man in the movie. But he even played that role great. Light-skinned brother. Um, you know, the plot, the, 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 like whoever wrote it, it was based off the, the play. It wasn't based off the book. So, you know what I'm saying? It had a lot of little slash musicals. When uh, Suge was going to sing to her father and she was walking down the road, that never happened. She didn't start off in the club. She went and approached the church by herself. Daddy was in there. She started singing as her daddy was playing the piano and gave her a hug and the embrace. So it didn't have the same dramatic effect as when she was in the club singing and she literally heard her daughter in the church singing and she weighed her way to the church singing, took the whole club with her into the church. It didn't have none of it. Like, it took all of that dramaticness out of it what made it soulful um as I said the actors wasn't all that great you know um Fantasia she could sing her ass off she did a thing you know what I'm saying Taraji P. Henson played Shug um and I can honestly say she did she had the best performance in the movie because I think Shug sorta is like that personality is sorta her she she played it easily you know um, Fantasia played hers all right too, but you know, 
Whoopi played a better role. Whoopi played the movie better, man. You know, um, one thing I did like is they showed her father. They showed Celie and uh, Nettie's real father. You know, um, and how that scenario happened. You know what I'm saying? Um, pretty much, the daddy left. The daddy left the mother, the house, and a store, land, and a store. The mother remarried, but then the mother died. The house and that went to the daughters and stuff. But the daddy didn't even. That's why he was giving them away, selling them off. One ran away, and he sold the other one off. He didn't need them there claiming that land. You know what I'm saying? But then the father dies, the truth comes out that the father actually left them the land in the store. You know what I'm saying? Um, one thing I will want to hint at is that the black males in the movie still were cucks to the fullest. Um, Hoppo was still who he was from the first one. Didn't play the role as well, but... Was he the one getting beat on by his woman? Yeah, he was getting beat on by his woman. And, um, you know, they showed more of a... It was like they tried to form a more like a matriarchal type thing. You know, they tried to play it there. Um, it wasn't that they were being dominated by males. It was that they were secretly running the males. So that's a that's a that's how it was sort of portrayed to me. Like so now we got two of the most popular films of 2023 because Color Purple came out in 2023. That and ironically Barbie, yeah, depicts a matriarchal Barbie verse. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where the kins or the males of the society can't even vote. Mm. And they serve the women. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then they cut then the story of Barbie is those males come to the real world and learn patriarchy. And then go back and try to become patriarchs. Hmm. You know. Ignoring the fact that, you know, they have basic democratic rights and <laughs> you know what I'm saying, that they would be fighting for. Yeah. Uh, and some more shit But Yeah Anyways I just see that common thread Of trying to uh, Lift up Matriarchy or, or at least Fake matriarchy Pseudo matriarchy Yeah uh, As empowering You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying For women You know For uh, Yeah you see that In other places In the culture too Yeah uh, Maybe in the music But we don't, got, we don't have to get into that But Yeah um, I was gonna ask you about that, about you know if if that was still depicted in the movie, you know, uh, this character getting beat by his woman, and it being depicted as less violent, less damaging than the abuse done to women. Um, like that still happened in its own context. I think this emphasized it didn't have as many scenes like that mm -hmm. as the first one. Gotcha. I would say the first one was probably more graphic in that scene. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, the theme, the, the narrative, because don't forget, like I said, this movie was done off the play, not the book. 
So the storyline is a little switched up a little bit. But it's it's given more of like the a hidden matriarchy. And also yeah. for the musical in which this new movie is based off of, uh, one Harvey Weinstein was a uh, former producer of the oh, musical wow. in which this movie is based off of. And of course, the original movie uh, was directed or produced one or the other by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, uh, right So uh, Of course we can get into The, the role that White Hollywood plays And and, and how they depict Black culture And uh, and I, Maybe there's also An interesting conversation To have there About how certain Black feminists Like a Alice Walker You know Collaborate Willingly with a, You know Endemically racist White Hollywood mm-hmm. To produce and profit Off of these you know, misandric depictions of black men. I mean, um, I said like this, man, this ain't got the same, like this is not, like the first one is still worth going to see before you see this. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Like, like that's just real talk. I would sit down and look at the first one before I look at this one. Gotcha. Um, it's not doing as great. Um, yeah, let's get into into that real quick. The numbers, so, I seen that it cost around, if I'm not mistaken, around a hundred million to make, mm-hmm. and then maybe around fifty. They claim only about fifty million to market, if I'm not mistaken. So here we go. So th- we're looking at uh, the New York Times right now. The color purple cost Warner Brothers at least ninety, at least ninety million to make, and another another forty million to market. Mm. So let's just put those up to probably closer to a hundred million to make yeah. and fifty million to market. So that's 150 million. Damn. You know what I'm saying? To produce and market this film. That means they need to, at the bare minimum, do 200 million. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To break even and then make a profit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Of what, you know, because, you know, they was planning on this being, you know, comparable with what Barbie did. And Barbie set records. Yeah. For its ticket sales. It's hard for me to understand. Yeah, yeah, it really but, is. Like, like, like really I thought that is. movie was, I thought the review, initial reviews was terrible. But, you know, Americans going Americanize. You know, they just going to do what they do. They didn't do it for right. this generation. They did it for the two generations that's coming. So, let's see. The first week, the first week they did about eighteen million, and then the second week they only did about five million. It was said. So, if I'm reading all this correctly, uh, you know, let's just say they're only up to maybe thirty, forty million maximum. Yeah. Right now, mm-hmm. which is a terrific loss. Yeah. Uh, which they, you know, studio didn't expect, and you know, do I feel good about it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't really mad that it, you know, it didn't uh, uh I had to I, I had to go check it out. Um I had to go look at it uh just just because I seen the first one and uh even with the misandria in the first one, and that's how deep that movie is, um with the black community, I still can look at it. Aki, let me ask you this question before we move on. Last question for this topic. Have you ever heard in, in, in what you know about your lineage 
any discussions you've had with your elders about the lineages of your close family, your extended family, your community, mm-hmm. or in any of the stories that you read about black Americans, you know, say from the 1900s on, mm-hmm. have you ever heard an instance of a black father selling his children, selling his daughters off for marriage? Mm-mm. No. I've never heard or read of any instance myself. The only type of marriage I've ever seen that was in some form of force is back in the day when a man would get a girl pregnant and the daddy in them come. You finna marry her. That's that's about the biggest forcing that I've ever known and heard of. Uh, Never that you came over to the house and said that you wanted to marry. Have Have we ever heard any... Like, where's the accounts of black women that, yeah, I was sold off as a young teen to a 50-year-old black... By my daddy. By my daddy. Where are these stories? But that's what the uh, pivotal masterpiece black film... that uh, We're supposed to accept this film as the pinnacle of black film, American film. That's what it was created to be. That's why they chose the directors and the producers that they chose for this to be an epochal film like, and, for American film. And, and that's that, what it has become. And that movie took place between the 1900s, like between 1900 and 1920. It actually started in the late 1800s, like 1890 something. And it went all the way through. Um,. I don't recall too many rich black males, you know, able to do and live like that then. Now, note, Red Summer was when? 1915, right? I'm going to say, yeah, something like that. 1915. So this is during this time. Niggas can get lynched. The movie showed... 1919. 1919. So we they're still in the same time period, you know. Um, the movie was just it was fantastical in its original. Rich black man able to purchase a black woman from the daddy. Like they just made men look like bitches in that. Like like we were just savages. I don't know no daddy that's pretty much selling they kids like. Ain't a rich one or one with wealth. We ain't talking like no uh, medieval Europe poverty stricken. Produce the documentation that shows this as a widespread practice where you can craft such a grant, such an epic tale of black America. You know what I'm saying? How dare you? You know, take something, if it even happened, such. A periphery, such like uh, what's the, an anomaly to the black experience? Mm. You know, that's an anomaly if it ever happened at all. And you know, you just like so happen to think of the story. Think about how many. I mean, you want to you want to look at uh, a film or a, a play in a film that shows uh, the genuine hardships of, uh, related to black love and black families. Watch Fences. Yeah, with Denzel. Mm-hmm. Watch fences. That 
that's a film that that treats you with more respect. You know what I'm saying? That's a solid movie too. That's a solid movie right there. But uh, but yeah, let's go on and move on, Lucky, before we get stuck on on, on that topic some mm-hmm. more. Then we're gonna be talking about fences, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, the next topic we're gonna talk about is you know recently there were 215 quote unquote multiracial bodies <laughs> found. Uh, Buried beneath the uh, a Mississippi jail, and uh, but not behind the Mississippi jail. Correct me, then. What's up? It was it was bodies. They was buried behind the Mississippi jail. Uh, they said in paupers' graves, uh, in a paupers' uh, graveyard. You know, I'm still trying to figure what that is in my mind. A pauper cemetery. Yeah. So we're looking at the uh, Chicago Crusaders. Uh, news right now, but I'm looking at Popper's grave. So that means a grave paid for at public expense. So that's what I thought. It was a, a grave that was paid for at, at that. That basically the city when the city buries people and it's okay, called, and a, a popper is somebody of a lower class, somebody without land and title type okay. shit. So, uh, so yeah. What we have now is, like we said, uh, I'm reading from the Chicago Crusader, 215 bodies found buried beneath uh, Jackson, Mississippi jail. Alarmed over the discovery of 215, quote, multiracial bodies found buried in a pauper cemetery in Hines County, and uh, behind the Hines County, Mississippi jail, Reverend Hosea Hines, uh, senior pastor of Church Tabernacle Church and national leader of a New Day Coalition for Equity in Black America and SEBA. I've not heard of that coalition before, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fortunate now for learning of it. Mm-hmm. Join attorney Benjamin Crump. Oh, God. And hold, stop. It, we, I got to get the soundboard back, Aki. Yeah. This is the moment I got to make sure we had the soundboard on tap for moments like this. When, whenever Benjamin Crump comes up, <laughs> During bl- national black news, we just need something on the soundboard just for that nigga. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? He need his own theme sound. And if you listen to past episodes, you know why we feel that way. Not saying the brother has no. He he he. There are comments and certain addresses he gives. So I'm like, okay, he says some truth there. But he's been part of too many half steps, too many missed calls, too many failed. Prosecutions. He's an habitual half stepper. Yeah, there you go, Aki. <laughs> oh uh, God. I mean, don't get me wrong. I give him a shout out for his deep melanin, but that's about it. <laughs> so th- they've already done some DNA analysis, or I'm guessing, or maybe these graves were marked. But uh, they've already found some of the relatives of the people found that were buried there. Uh, you know, and they brought some of the women uh, relatives of the men. Uh, to a press conference at uh, Stronger Hope Baptist Church in Jackson, Mississippi on December 20th. Quote, people all across America are scratching their heads in disbelief about what's happening in Jackson, Mississippi with the Popper's Graveyard. That's what Crump said. And I'm not sure, you're speaking, you, who, who, who's really scratching their heads in disbelief? At this point, in 2024 in America, Knowing what we know about slavery, knowing what we saying. know, and nigga, they in Jackson, <laughs> Mississippi. No, I don't think people are scratching their heads in disbelief. That's they're just not, that's not. a non-comment right yeah, there. Yeah, that that's not. This is not in the, in the realm of disbelief. Hey, go drain 
every pond and river in that state right now and see what you find. Yeah, you're going to find some bodies. Yeah. That's some wild shit. Found this shock. Hmm. And you know the crazy thing about it, though, I keep... Like, you know, they found hundreds of bodies back there. You know what I'm saying? Um, these people thought these kids or, or their sons and brothers or whatever was missing, you know. Now the question is, is what happened to them? Because you now, now to really... Um, um, be able to pinpoint how they, or you know, the cause of their death, how they died, where they may have died. You got to figure out how they died. And this is where you appreciate. Shout out Slank. He put me on Steve Coakley recently. Brother Steve Coakley. You familiar with Steve Coakley? Steve Coakley. And one thing I appreciate that Steve Coakley always did, he called out the names of the motherfuckers that was doing this dirty mm. and not letting them just hide behind the scenes. One thing we're not seeing Benjamin Crump. And Pastor Hines do, I'm, as I read this article, you know, they're, they're making these placid calls for, uh, well, they're saying, I'm surprised this is happening anywhere in the U.S. We should be better than this. That's a not, that that's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he's saying there needs to be a real call for justice. What is What the fuck are you, that's what you're supposed to be doing at the press conference. Yeah. Saying there needs like how how passive political is that? I can't even say passive aggressive. How how passive political is that? To say that like at a press at a press conference, and you're a political actor that you brain yourself to be, you're supposed to be the one calling for justice. And how do you call for justice? Is what Steve Coakley would do. He would call out the names of the police chief that didn't notify families for years mm-hmm. after they already knew these bodies were there. Yeah. And they, they waited for years to notify some families when they knew who the person was. Yeah. You you got to call out that type of stuff. But also, you, what you need to do, you're not calling for an investigation on what you just asked for. How did those bodies get there? Yeah. Is this, How did they die? Is Are we not looking at possible murder? Systemic murder, institutional murder. Hey, we talking Jackson? We we know we have heard the stories talking of Jackson uh, of people going to prison, people going to jail and disappearing. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it goes deep, and why why wouldn't it? If, if there was, you know, forgive me for saying this. You know what I'm saying? Jesus, Allah, Buddha, everybody. <laughs> If it was a grave of 200 Jewish bodies, would they do the forensic work to find out how they got there, how they yeah, died? First of all, if they found 200 Jewish bodies behind a, 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 a Jackson, Mississippi jail, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They finna have... Israel is gonna be on the break either wanting to go to war. Nah, nah, they wouldn't do that. I just said Israel's gonna go to war in a whole different way. They gonna bring every diplomat, Mossad, Israeli yeah. intelligence going yeah. to war with the every <laughs> uh, every lawsuit, ACL, all all of them. They all coming. You know what I'm saying? You getting big boy lawsuits off the rip. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I, I mean, it ain't shit new to us. Like when when I seen Jackson, Mississippi, just if it would have just said Mississippi, period. Like, oh, no, that ain't, that ain't, 
They ain't nothing but Jackson. D- Jackson, the capital of Mississippi. That's it, what it said. Am I, am I mistaken? What's the capital of Mississippi? Jackson. So if this can happen in the no, my it says Jefferson. I don't know why. No, it's, it's Jackson. My, my apology. It is Jackson. If 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 this many bodies were found in Jackson, the capital of Mississippi, what's happening in rural Mississippi, Aki? Yeah. First of all, you ain't gonna find them bodies in rural Mississippi, cause them bodies is gonna get ate up by some gators by then. Mm. You know, they they do the gators that have been went to work on that. The animals and wildlife have been taking care of that. You know, you finding you know two hundred and fifteen you know bodies out there just laid out, stretched out, you know, in their own little makeshift graves. Um, yeah, they're going to definitely have to do some investigation on that. You know what I'm saying? Check that out. See what that be like. Um, this is why we need black government, Aki. We need our own national investigative team. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We need a a, vetted by, a a group vetted by black America. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To be, uh, what's the word? Uh sit to these places. You know what I'm saying? You need your own intel you need your uh your own Mossad. Yeah, what what would we call the 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 new African intelligence agency? What what should we call it? We gotta think about that, Aki. Hey, I hate to say it, the Black Panthers would have been a great name. You know what I'm saying? That would have been a play game. Cause the Panthers operate just the way they got to operate. Stealth. Silence. Maybe it's sometimes. Maybe sometimes. I mean, Panthers took the guns right to state capital. Yeah. That's not exactly spy that work shit. That was a little bit of a mistake too. <laughs> you talking about doing it the right way, goddamn it. No, I would I don't know if I would, I would say Black Panthers were on some stealth shit. Yeah, you know yeah. They definitely wasn't. They was on some community organizing building. We talking about like the Black Liberation Army or some shit like that. That might be a little different. Yeah. yeah. But uh I don't know, Aki, but I know it would have to be an organization that's set up uh, it would have to be like a, a, to some extent like a black justice league <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah. what I'm saying that uh, they, they they go make sure they find out what the fuck happened to the brothers and the sisters yeah. here or whatever this that just don't seem right yep. you know yep. you know what I'm saying we go through the bodies yeah we yeah we need and when we build the uh, the, the the BJL <laughs> when, we, when we build the BJL <laughs> We gotta have, we're gonna have to have a whole department for Mississippi. <laughs> Mississippi. A whole department for the SIP. For the SIP. Be- because we're going to their medical system. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I wanna I want a BJL team <laughs> anywhere a black mother's giving birth to a child, Aki. That's gonna be a lot of motherfucking BGLs, Aki. Oh yeah. Yeah, I want everybody. I, I, I want every when you're when you reach 18, you signed up for service. That's a, <laughs> that's automatic a, drafting. Yeah, we automatic shit. drafting niggas for yeah, real. So you gotta do two years. Yeah, you gotta you, you gotta do two years. Who's I'm going to play ball? Nah, you need yeah. these two years in your life. So yeah, we're gonna have the personnel. I ain't worried about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If I you got once from North Korea, everybody enrolled. Goddamn, everybody in the military. Building the BGL, BJL. Yeah, but I mean, you would have to have something like that, similar, you know, um, to, you know, uh, and I'm saying that just on the governmental level, just as an agency. 
um, a communal agency, if you want to call it. Yeah, we we need some watchdogs. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? We we need some watchdog institutions. We yeah, need some intelligence. Yeah, exactly. We need some intelligence groups. We call need some shit. You know, call call up the uh, black entrepreneurs. We need some black lobbying groups. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We need I mean, all the shit. You know, so I mean, you know, you're right. Um, and and I just I'm curious to know what what it says the cause of their death is. Yeah. You know, and it didn't. They pro- they, but they probably won't tell us. Like, yeah, this is Mississippi. They probably not gonna investigate that. There's yeah, Mississippi. God damn it, we say we don't know, and we don't know. And and remember, Aki, this is where we had to start questioning some tactics of our previous, our current organizations. Mm. Jackson, Mississippi, is a city government controlled by who? Aki, remind me, Aki. New Africans. What organization? New Africans, Republic of New Africa. Not the Republic of New Africa. Malcolm X Grassroots Movement. You know, that's uh, what I thought I'd get. I mean, uh, I say it like this: You're gonna have to make a community where people feel safe. And when you got 250 bodies buried behind your jailhouse, and you got three women came up, and the men that died. That was related to them was in the ages of 37, 39, and 40. So that means they they ain't been there for a long time. Exactly right. They've been there for a long time, but they ain't been there. They ain't been no more than five years. They've been there. It's not like there's they they willing out real old people to these press yeah, conferences. They just grew up in there back in the 1960s nah, and 87. You know what I'm saying? No. Mm-mm. These people are straight from the 2000s. A lot of these people was thrown up in there. Or at least we know it's people that was in those graves that was put in there. There'd be no reason to put them there if something foul didn't happen, Aki. Mm-hmm. Nobody would want to involve themselves in, in hiding a body, basically. Yeah. Unless they had to. Yeah. It is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Yeah. You know... And so that means that t- that town been under that city. Jackson has been under control. Whether these people were outright murdered within the prison, murdered by police or whatever, or they were in the jails or prisons and neglected to the point of their death. You know? Uh, and, and because no other reason exists why their families wouldn't be contacted. And I'll say this, depending on how long that jail's been there. Say, for instance, if that jail, there was an original jail there back in early 1900s. And, you know, they used to have jails where they did bury the people who didn't have no more family out in the back. And say, for instance, that was out there. But they tore down the jail and built a whole new jail. Now you got this makeshift you know what I'm saying? Graveyard now. There's Papa Cemetery back there in the back. And, um, you know, you never spoke about it. You never said nothing about it. You never, like, if nobody knows that knew it was there, you said grave, that means it's tombs. I mean, it's uh, caskets in there. If it ain't no caskets in there, that means you just throwing dug a pit and just threw some bodies in there and threw some dirt on top of it. That's grave at that point. Yeah, that's some Nazi shit. Uh, let's keep it moving, Aki. Uh, and also, you know, God bless. And, you know, P. 
peaceful rest to the dead. Yeah. As well. Uh, but next we're going to end up, you know, I just want to mention this quickly because this, this could unfold into a larger conversation we want to tackle later. But African, that the headline for this segment is African nations charge genocide. And it's... Uh, genocide for black people? Interesting. Ironically, no, Aki. What the fuck? Yeah. But still important to look into nonetheless you know i and this is something we this is something that we're cluing you y'all in on as we begin our real deep and deeper investigation into the inner workings of how the all this international politics and these 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 new african geopolitics are playing out because what we have here uh initially uh, and we'll come back to this, but we have Gambia, a West African nation, uh, bringing Myanmar up on genocide charges in the International uh, uh, Justice Court. All right, no, it's the International Court of Justice. My apologies. Uh, and we can round back and then talk about the the Rohingya being uh, genocided against uh, in Myanmar. As they, they fight for uh, their human and civic rights, mm-hmm. you know, and we watched a documentary about their plight, uh, and that's in South Asia. So that's yeah. that's Gambia charging genocide against a South Asian country. Yeah, something you know that definitely made my ears perk up. But we learned about that as we was watching the more recent and and definitely larger scale, just talking geopolitically. Uh, issue of South Africa, much bigger nation than Gambia. Yeah, much more connected nation than Gambia. South Africa brought up Israel on charges of genocide against Palestinians, and that's huge. That's huge. I mean, Israel's pissed off. <laughs> Apparently, the ICJ is important enough. To which Israel will not will not ignore these charges and will represent itself mm-hmm. in this in this court hearing yeah. that is coming up soon. They've already selected who they're going to represent, who they want to represent Israel. Israel's already selected the person. I forget his name, uh, but Derskovich was the other person that Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, wanted somebody named Derskovich. To represent Israel. Yeah. Now, mind you, Derskovich is on the Epstein files. Mm. S- somebody who knew work was closely associated with Epstein. So you know he ain't getting on that motherfucker. So and that's who Netanyahu wanted to represent Israel. Can't do it now. <laughs> so talk about how these things are all clashing together. Yeah. Uh, and it also, you know. Well, we can get into a later episode. We can talk about, you know, Epstein's connect, possible connection, alleged connection to the Mossad. Yeah. And and was he working for Israeli intelligence? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When when he when he got all these U.S. politicians and movie stars and everybody and Harvard law professors to uh you know got them the 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 underage women that they wanted. Yeah. Or the the the. the the grown women that they wanted as they were cheating and just being scandalous, whatever they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, he was living that life. And, uh, he, and 
there's you know there, there's some reports and these are alleged that you know there are videotapes of people even like the Clintons, mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, I should say, you know what I'm saying, participating in in, in these type of deviant sexual acts, like yeah, debauchery, <laughs> debauchery, yeah. So uh, you know, and shout out Cat. We talked about Cat earlier. He called out a lot of the stuff happening in Hollywood and yeah, and, and a lot of stuff he saw happening in Hollywood. And of course, we we talked maybe previously about you know how Diddy's involvement in this underworld was being exposed and you know and, and yeah we we seeing a lot of the connect the connections Aki but you know I mean what's your reaction to this news about these African nations charging tra- genocide I know you also brought up before like were they charging genocide against Africans yeah but uh I just want to know why um outside of the fact that that's just a righteous thing to do why would it be African nations that's charging um, Bangladesh and Israel with charges of genocide? Like, I can't think of a reason why. And I think that's what sort of gets me. Um, I look at the fact of that you have genocides going on in Africa right now. But you could be putting your effort toward taking care of. Um, there's still a genocide going on in Sudan. You know. Um, but I'm curious now. Makes me want to look into this court of justice, international court of justice. Because it makes me think about some questions and maybe the concoction of some solutions that may be workable for us as a nation of people here in the various numerous claims of genocide that we got that we can put against a lot of motherfuckers. Like, nigga, we ain't got to stop. We can go to international corporations, foreign governments, domestic governments, domestic corporations, uh... Governmental institutions, uh, major financial institutions, and every other damn thing that's on this modern planet, and charged and linked that into a major form of genocide. I need to know the process to how they did that. And we can end on this note. I mean, just Malcolm X pushed for us to do that. Yeah. You know, towards the end of his life, he was. I mean, yeah, he was pushing for. international recognition of the black American nation mm-hmm. and our plight. Yeah. And he wanted our participation in this international uh, political sphere. Not as an appendage in second class citizens of America, but with our separate self-determined sense of uh, authority and voice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, that's one of the reasons he was targeted so. And I think, you know, that's one reason I I speak about, you know, building up a national infrastructure so much. Because I think pushing for that in these various ways Mm. is going to be an important part of what compels us culturally and attracts us culturally. You know, I I, I think you have to do both uh, together. I think a lot of a lot of what we want to happen, even locally, regionally, and nationally, and internationally, ain't connecting because uh, we're not, you know, uh, 
let, let alone not having a, a political program that addresses these things. Yeah. You know, we don't even have a national conversation that includes and really addresses these things True, for indeed. black people. You know True, what I'm saying? Indeed. And uh, so, yeah, we, we need to start throwing a lot of stuff at the wall to start building that up. See what sticks. Yeah. You know, throw out programs for people to discuss and think about. You know what I'm saying? That leads us towards a nation. That leads us toward that leads us towards national and international recognition. That that you know is democratically decided by us, Black Americans. You know what I'm saying? The descendants yeah. of slaves on this continent, specifically, yeah. those without a nation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we have to little by little start pushing for that separation. And I, I think, yeah, I, I think it's because we have to get Black people to consider it. To seriously consider it, that consideration will do wonders culturally. Yeah. Right now, we're not even pushing ourselves to even have a radical revolutionary imagination. Yeah. We've lost that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Politically and culturally, we got to start pushing towards that. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, in this time that we, um, you know, American ideology is set on, you know, eating up, gaining as much as you can. It's very parasitic. Yeah. Um, and that can take its toll on um, a people, especially us, in the belly of the beast and, and, and being damn dead, the, the footstool of its start. Um, that's sort of what, that's what got us at that point of um, the, the, the non, I don't want to say non pushback, but the, the you know that stalemate that you, you sort of, I think you're speaking of. Um, one thing that the African nations can do, and as I said, I think it's a righteous, on a level of righteousness. I support that. We looked into what was going on in Bangladesh, Myanmar, with the Rodinga people. We looked at the story, we seen the oppression, we seen what's going on, we seen the reports. So, granted, they are getting genocide there. South Africa is going at Israel for genocide. I think they got some acts or accusations of genocide on them. South Africa? Mm-hmm. Against indigenous people within the country. I mean, the country. We have to remember that the majority of the decent, good land is still owned by who? By the boats. By the ones. Former colonizers. Plantations and all of that is still owned by them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's much more effort we could put in doing things on Africa instead of that. But I still got to get to the bottom of it. Why? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Like, what's the wish show? You know, if I could talk to them, like, what's going on? What made y'all do that? Why would South Africa? I mean, I'm happy South Africa took that step. Took that leap. Yeah, it's righteous. But you would think South Africa, with with having so many international fingers in the pot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because those white South Africans still have a connection and still play that middleman back to their home country. Yeah. Back to the, their home continent, Europe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for that, you know, sway to have, you know, to be present there in South African politics. These yeah. are things that political parties like the Economic Freedom Fighters in South Africa, the EFF, 
But I'm like, or the, here, or, or like, the, the BLF Black Land First. These black land, you know, self determination focused, radical focused black political parties in South Africa. I know in the past decade their power has been growing, but has it grown to such a point where they can push for South Africa? You know, calling for genocide against the you know by Israel against the Palestinians. Are they so powerful to call for that now? Have we somehow missed a surge in their power in the past year or two? Last time, since last time we checked in, I don't or know. is this something else at play? It, 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 South, my, maybe my final thoughts on it. My conspiracy play mm-hmm. could be South Africa because it is infiltrated in the ways. That it is the, the the remnants of colonialism that exists there. Could they be giving as a release valve for the the international pressure with the protest movement against Israel right now for what they're doing against Palestinians? Mm. They're losing the PR the PR global battle right now. Yeah. As a release valve, you have South Africa throw a pillow layup. Ali, you, I mean, a, like a, a, a easy layup in turn uh, in the form of a e- in, in terms of an easily defeatable case, yeah. where Israel can prove its point and win its case. I hope that's not what happens, and it doesn't appear that to be the case. But you know, you got to watch these snakes. Uh, you got to watch these snakes. Hey, it's like hey, Israel. Well, South Africa is just hey. You got more things to take care of. I mean, I think that's more important. But then it made me think. I said, well, does... Like, one thing I learned about South Africa and how they're set up, they sort of have a multi... Or they have an influx of foreigners in there, too. You know, they have an Israeli population there. They got Lebanese population there. They got various different um, groups that are in that area. I just can't figure out why they would do it. Maybe it's on something strategic, you know, with other with other nations that yeah. they're choosing to do it with. Maybe this is an outgrowth of the BRICS alliance. Could be. Either way, you know, like I said, it's a righteous and noble thing. And, um, you know, we're going to do a little more research and maybe we can get back to y'all with something on that because I'm actually curious to know. Why in the hell are these African nations? Like, when you say Gambia, and then they chose Myanmar and Bangladesh. That don't even sound right. Like, I don't even never, I ain't never heard of no Myanmar, uh, Rodinga population in Gambia. No, and it's not going down in Gambia. But so, so how does Gambia be, even become concerned with it? Yeah, I mean that—that's what I'm—I'm I'm interested. Yeah, by like it. Yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, what the? How did you hear about that? And I mean, I understand how people heard about Israel and and why is it not a neighboring country? You know what I'm saying? That that does it, or why is it not one of the bigger countries? But so I mean, all those interesting questions are there. We hope to track down those answers. But for now, we do got to say peace to y'all. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I feel like it was pretty dynamic. We covered a lot, Aki. Appreciate you, brother, and we'll see y'all in uh, the coming weeks. Peace. Peace.